So, quick survey before we start today. Survey, here we go. Who in this room, you're going to put your hand up, would say that you are a neat and organised person? Who? Got a few of you? All right. Who in this room would say, no, no, I'm a messy type. I'm the messy type. I like a bit of, yeah, so we've got a bit. And we've got who has not put their hand up. Come on, you guys. <laughs> All right, let me try it this way. Who is living in a household with a neat and organized person? Okay, so you've got some order in your life. Okay, who's living in a household where there's a lot of mess and chaos and things everywhere? Awesome. So we can all relate to that, right? <laughs> we are going to have a look today at some things that is really important on Jesus's heart for us. And it's to do with cleaning up the house, cleaning up the temple. And um, it comes in a sense because we often just need to pause and say, do I need to clean anything up? So if we have a think of who, who we're sharing houses with and who we might have close to us that might approach life a little bit differently than what you do, there can be kind of like two simple approaches to cleaning house, right? There can be the approach where someone just sweeps everything into a little pile and puts it under the carpet, right? That's one approach. No hands up, all right? No hands up. <laughs> Another approach is that you get the turbo vacuum cleaner out and you deal with that dirt immediately and it's gone, no longer hidden. So today we're going to have a look at just how Jesus invites us as his people to constantly be checking, is there anything I need to clean up? And we're going to look at John 2 as part of his response and a sign of his kingdom coming in lives. And it's going to be just a little bit of an eye-opener in terms of what does he do when he wants to bring order. So John 2 is in the context of John 2. We're seeing he's just been to a wedding. There's been an amazing celebration and a sign happened. Do you know what it was? He turned water into wine. It was the first sign of the kingdom. And in John 2.11, it says, what Jesus did here in Cana of the Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And so this was the start of the big reveal. A sign had happened. Water turned into wine. And then we're just going to have a look at what happens after that. So John chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles and you want to open it up, we're looking at the cleansing of the temple. Or one of the versions of the Bible says Jesus clears the temple. We're starting at verse 13. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. So Jesus went to Jerusalem and in the temple area he saw merchants selling cattle, sheep and doves for sacrifices. And he also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. Jesus made a whip from some ropes and he chased them all out of the temple and he drove out the sheep and the cattle. He scattered the money changers' coins all over the floor and he turned over their tables. And then going over to the people who sold the doves, he told them, get these things out of here and stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. 
One of the signs of the kingdom, water into wine. One of the, decide, the, the signs of the kingdom was a celebration. And then can you imagine if you were one of the disciples seeing that the next sign that Jesus brings wasn't one that was so popular. Turning water into wine, pretty popular, right? Everyone's happy about that. Everyone's like, let's have this guy at every wedding, right? That's a sign that was so well received. People are happy and singing and rejoicing. And there was a miracle that happened. But here, the second sign of Jesus' earthly ministry starting was a little bit different. The disciples, can you imagine? They're standing there saying in the temple, did this just happen? Is this Jesus? Really? What about just a healing? People will receive that as the next sign. Why don't you just see someone receive their sight? A blind person can see. That's going to be working well for the people to receive your kingdom. But the second sign John records here is a radical thing. Jesus did a radical thing up front in his earthly ministry beginning. He wants to clean house. He wants to bring order. Have you ever been in the presence of someone that's turned a table upside down? Yeah? I'm seeing a few people going, yeah. Yeah, that I was in a cafe and we were having a beautiful cup of coffee and there was someone that just lost the plot. And they were at the front of the cafe and they were yelling and we could see that things were starting to escalate. And they did their final thing of turning a whole table over, things scattered. It was something that grabbed our attention. It's a violent act. It was scary. It made us notice that this place was maybe not as safe as I thought. Jesus overturned tables and he got attention immediately. He was passionate about his house, about his place of worship. Kind of reminds me of our own lives, right? Our own lives where the Bible says that he makes his home in us through his spirit. He lives in us and he brings joy to us and he brings peace to us and he brings hope and he brings new vision for our lives, new identity for us. And it's great to invite Jesus to your table until he turns it over. disrupts us and says transformation's not on your terms it's on my terms I've got a view of your life that I want you to know about and I am passionate about it following Jesus have you found this giving your life to him surrendering your life to him finding transformation it's not always about stability and being the best version of yourself it's actually supposed to produce a disruptive change in us and that it's going to be so disruptive that our thoughts, our seeing, our feelings, and our doing, our acting, is going to also change. A steady, consistent life is not what Jesus is calling us to. He wants us to be consistent. He wants us to be steady. But he wants to disrupt our way of doing things and take on his. I wasn't supposed to be speaking today. This is a message that's burning in me because I don't want us just to do church. 
I don't want to just be your friend that walks along kindly with you. I want to invite from you and also you to invite from around the, everyone that's around us to provoke one another to live the Jesus way. And if it's not in a way that's matching up what he says, that we invite invitation to say, come and help me with that. I want to walk in a way that looks like him. Because the good news causes us to reframe how we see ourselves. The good news also causes us to reframe how we see each other. That session that David was talking about totally got me by surprise. Not because I have the joy of being lead pastor here. I already knew that we are in a movement that celebrates leadership being welcomed from whoever God's gifted. Isn't that great? But what happened was I had an encounter at the end of that session when the Holy Spirit violently dropped on me in a way that I could not hold it together. I was being turned upside down. If you were in the room that day, just say, um, I saw that. <laughs> it was... It was uncomfortable for me but at the same time I wanted the fullness of what he had for me and if this movement is a place where we can stand fully as who we are I want him to feel me I want him to feel Karen I want her to also stand alongside David and say yes I'm going to lead in the way that my leadership skills have shaped skills have shaped me God's made me for this and I want that the same for all of us that we will be so filled with his boldness that we'll stand clean before him with the fullness of all that he's bringing we're not a rescue boat we heard last sorry we are a rescue boat not a cruise ship so this is a life we're going on a, not a cruise we're going out to rescue others so they can see in the same way that Jesus sees I hope to tell you more about that encounter but I want you to know that it was not quiet it was disruptive and it was amazing. I'm still processing it, which is why I'm not giving the whole details now, because there's more to come. He wants the best for you. He has created you to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we'll read that verse shortly. So here we are, Jesus and his disciples in Jerusalem. The Passover time is happening. Friends and family are gathering. And all of a sudden, Jesus is hot under the collar. He's irritated. And all of a sudden, he turns over the tables and he scatters this outer area, this area where it was a court for the Gentiles to come and approach God. And the money changers were there. And what's the money changers' role? They were there to do temple business. And they had come to say, oh, you've got your sacrifice. That's great. And you bring whatever it is that you can afford, a lamb maybe. And this lamb is unblemished. And this lamb meets all the criteria. And they stand as a barrier before you can approach God with your sacrifice. And they go, nope. No, that lamb doesn't pass. They say, no, there has to be temple-approved lambs that come through as you approach God, and you pay it at our jacked-up price, right? They were there putting up barriers for people to approach God. They wanted to approach God. They wanted to be near. The, near. Everyone was able to access and approach God with their sacrifice. 
Jesus was angry because there was someone stopping them. You probably heard this quote before. You can tell a lot about a person by how they answer these three questions. What makes you laugh? What makes you weep? What makes you angry? What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? What makes you angry? Jesus was angry about this. He was righteously indignant. And he made a whip. (laughs) It wasn't just a moment where he was having a temper tantrum and that he couldn't restrain himself. It wasn't just a moment of unrestrained behavior. He was now making a whip because... (laughs) If you think of what we just saw with the frames, we have a frame and an image of Jesus. And often religious art does not help us with this. <laughs> think of a religious painting of Jesus, right? And very much it's a false image. It's a small view of Jesus. And very much it's a religious art with his soft eyes and his very pale skin, right? And rosy cheeks. And maybe he looks like he needs another meal, a big feed, because he's pretty, you know... <laughs> grotty. I'm not making fun of Jesus. I'm making fun of our image of Jesus. And I'm highlighting that a false image, a false view, a small frame is not how he wants to be seen. Jesus is strong. He is the one that carried a cross through the streets of Jerusalem after he'd had beatings and his back was raw open. He's strong. Jesus is strong and he is meek. There's a word we don't hear much. Meek. Power under constraint. Ability to do something powerful but chooses not to. Jesus is strong and meek and he knows when to let his power be unleashed. And this was one of those moments. He was angry. He made a whip. He was not having a temper tantrum. He was saying, this is not right. And he was then reminding the disciples that we see in verse 17, the disciples remembered, ah, this is the prophecy from scriptures. Passion for God's house will consume me. Righteous anger. Zeal. What makes you angry? What makes you cry? What makes you laugh? It really matters that we know what he loves and what he's passionate about. And he's passionate about his house he says his house really matters. Temple, this is, there's a whole lot of teaching that we can do on temple. That's not today's message. Temple is a place of worship, and this is a place where Jesus wants free worship. And also, if you come to Jesus, he is going to accept you for who you are at that moment, but he's not going to leave you where you are. So as he found this temple, he also finds us as his temple and says, you are welcome here, you are belonging here, but there's more. There's a bigger frame for you to receive in your identity. 
We saw that with Matthew, the tax collector. He came as a tax collector, hated, hated, hated by everyone around him. And then he is the one that wrote the Gospel of Matthew. He walked alongside Jesus and documented for us all the happenings. Say the same with Saul of Tarsus, who was a murderer, did not stay the same. He was disrupted into the light. We serve a God of mercy and also a God of majesty and holiness. He loves you so much. He hates anything that opposes you. Jesus hates anything that will hurt you, anything that will rob you, anything that will deceive you. He hates. He hates it. And he came with a solution. He came and he came to change us so that we are free. Sometimes we, like we saw with Ian, we get angry at sinners in the play, right? We get angry at sinners. Jesus gets angry at Satan, who's behind all that awful darkness in people's lives because they are held captive. People that are um, in a place of behaving badly are usually the ones that are held captive and seen through very narrow ways into the world. Jesus tells us to love sinners and hate the sin. Jesus tells us to love your enemies. And then Timothy writes in 2 Timothy chapter 2, 25 and 26, this is how we help those with a narrow view. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Gently instruct them. And perhaps God will change these people's hearts and they will learn the truth. And then <clears throat> they'll come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. They're the ones that need to see Jesus fighting for them. Our enemy is the devil, not people. <laughs> they are the captives. They're the ones in prison. And newsflash, I used to be one of them. Newsflash, you may be here. You with me? Used to be us as well. And he fought for us. Don't curse the darkness. Turn on the light. Gently instruct. See that this enemy is going to be exposed. Turn the tables upside down and allow people to receive God's changing power, not ours. We are a people that gather and we're called his body. And Second Corinth, sorry, 1 Corinthians 6.19 also says that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Don't you realize, verse 19 says, that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. And you do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. And so sometimes Jesus wants to do a little temple cleansing with us. Sometimes he wants to come and look at your heart with you and say, you know what, that needs to go. You know what, this needs to change. You know what, 
this needs to be a new way. And sometimes his tone changes. When I experience that violent uh, Holy Spirit encounter, his tone was, Di, this is really important to me. Di, this is really matter. This really matters. And so we stand in a place where we will hear his voice will change when he gives you something to fight for. This really matters to me. I want to see change. And so cleansing the temple will actually allow us to get rid of all the clutter that's going to stop us from stepping forward into, this really matters to me. I have zeal for this. I have passion for this, is his voice saying that to us. And there's many of you in this room that are carrying that passion for a lot of different things. And you are seeing light break into darkness as you go with him into different places. So what does this have to do with Jesus cleansing the temple? What's it got to do with me and you today, right now? First of all, he's saying there's a better way. There's a better way to experience religion. (laughs) He doesn't bring religion. He brings freedom. And he's also saying to us today he wants to cleanse his house and he wants access to all areas of our house. He wants access and the master key to every lock, every part of your home where he is saying, you're my temple. He wants to clean the temple. Some of you have got shared devices where you share passwords, right? I hope you only share your password with people you trust. Jesus is one that you can trust with your password and give him access. He wants you to trust him enough to have access to all areas of your life. So why do, why do we find that so hard? Here, here's what it's like. I feel like that today he just wants to know, imagine with me that you're sitting in your home, and you hear a knock on the door, and it's Jesus at the door. Just imagine that he's there and it's like, oh, hi, oh my gosh, Jesus has come to my home. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, what does he say? I will come in. Jesus, I can't believe you're at my house. That's great. Come in, come in, come in. And so you say, take a seat. Are you hungry? What would you like to eat? And I got really silly here and went, oh, deviled deviled eggs. (laughs) Maybe angel cake. I don't know. (laughs) What would you feed Jesus? I don't know. (laughs) Take a seat, Lord. And while you're in the kitchen out there trying to work out whether he'd eat deviled eggs or not, not, (laughs) you hear a noise. And you hear that the noise in the other room is actually your front door opening and outside is your couch being thrown by Jesus. He's just picked up your couch and thrown it on your front lawn. Hey, that's my couch. What are you doing? That can't be replaced. It's really important to me. That's got memories, family history. And then he's taking off all the artwork on your lounge room, on the walls, all the artwork's going out as well. And there's a weird statue over in the corner that you got from India out the door. Yeah. He's throwing away things that are in your home. He's cleaning the house. Hang on a moment. I didn't sign up for this. I asked Jesus to come into my house and he starts throwing all these things away. Have you ever had that feeling? I've had a number of you that have just said, I feel like he's just really stripping down the reality of my life. 
and leaving only the best and that's the thing. He wants to bring in the best. So you hear him whistle. He says, hang on, stand back. He whistles and you see this moving truck coming down the driveway and he's about to unload. Oh my gosh, he's bringing in the boys to help him. New carpet being laid down. Wall art that, and photos being replaced. New curtains. Everything was so much better than it was before. Jesus only got rid of that old stuff to replace it with something far better. Don't be afraid to give him the master key. Don't be afraid to give him the passcode so he can clean up what's going on in our lives. Did you know Jesus didn't clear, clear and clean the temple just once? He did it twice. Luke 19 shows at the end of his earthly ministry, he went back to the, tent, the temple this is what happened in verse 45. He entered the temple and he began to drive out people selling animals for sacrifices. And he said to them, the scripture declares my temple will be a house of prayer. And you've turned it into a den of thieves. Why did he need to cleanse it twice? Because it got cluttered again. Probably it started with one person bringing in another table. Probably then it's like, oh, he's doing it. I'll just join in. Maybe setting up a whole bunch of tables and all of a sudden again, my temple is a house of prayer, Jesus is saying. You've turned it into a den of thieves. Pretty soon it can get worse than before if we keep letting in the clutter. Does that not sound like our lives? <laughs> that things that can start small all of a sudden can become a big problem. Think of um, David, shepherd boy, and Goliath. Who is this Philistine? <laughs> is it a Philistine? <laughs> Who is this that's stopping God's people from entering the land? This big man, Goliath, is there full of muscle, and he's taunting, just like we saw with, with Ian, taunting, bullying, intimidating. And he's saying, you're not going to pass. We have bullying voices in our lives we just need to say jesus get rid of that i don't want to be taunted anymore i don't want any giants growing up goliath would have been small at one point he grew up into that warrior but at some point he was a baby he was small and now he's an intimidating enemy things start small and if we don't address them they will present a obstacle to God's cleaning our temple and we have a choice in what we let in we have a choice of what's in our house so in the final movement of this whole story in chapter 2 we see Jesus is saying in verse 23 that while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name just like we sang today we believe in your name but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people, and he did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. This Jesus that turns up, up our tables, overturns things, disrupts us, he also knows you intimately. 
He sees right through you. When he called Matthew, the actual version says that Matthew was called and he saw right through Matthew. He knew everything about him, his past, and he still welcomed him. He knew everything about his history and he still welcomed him. Jesus knows all things and he wants to get to the point with you where you trust him and he trusts you. When I said, have you had anyone that looked right through you? You're kind of going, "Mm." anyone got a mother? (laughs) Anyone that was a teenager got a mother where you maybe did something that was a little bit outside the rules and then she says, hey, where were you? Why are you so late? And you just go, "Mm." and then she looks right through you and you start confessing all the things that you just did as a teenager. Remember those days? Mothers represent also that there there are places in our lives where people can see right through us. And Jesus is saying, that's the place I want where there's nothing cluttering up our relationship. There's nothing that's going to hold you back. I love you so much. And so he's looking for seekers. In John 2, you see that the, the people that were not trusting him, they were believing him, seeing the signs, but they didn't trust. And then in the very next chapter in John 3, it opens with a Pharisee named Nicodemus who came to Jesus and he was genuinely, sincerely seeking the life of Christ. And so Jesus welcomed him. Jesus said, you'll find me if you seek me with the right motive. So today, really, I just feel like the invitation for us is that Jesus is wanting to cleanse our temple. Just take a moment, take a pause, see whether you're still on track with offering everything of your life to him. And when the Lord pinpoints something, like he did with this moment, when he pinpoints something, if you defend it, you're giving it permission to stay. But if you say, ah, yeah, you're right, I take your perspective, your view of me, then you are not fueling that to increase and become dominant like Goliath you're actually saying this is no longer going to stay and grow to become something bigger. Repentance is simply saying, I agree with you, Jesus. I agree with what you're saying about what's in my heart, in my life, in my behavior. And then we just get before the Lord and maybe there's a broken place in us that he's pinpointing. And we just use our language with him and say, I'm really sorry. And we don't want just the roots, sorry, the the surface, the shallow. We want the roots also to be addressed. So anything that's grown in our hearts that is below the surface, that only you and he knows about, he just wants to make sure he sees you, he loves you, and he is passionate for you to have that out and behind you. Repentance is the best gift repentance is a way of turning but it's not just turning it's then saying I'm going to choose an action that's a positive action that Jesus is going to walk with me into a positive action which is the fruit of the repentance so we make this decision we turn we say we agree with you we give it to him and then we choose an action or a prayer that causes that to be a fruit that's then growing and then 
you have roots that are growing that are strong and healthy and you reaffirm that decision before him with a positive action. Some of you have amazing stories about that. And you're going to hear next week and the week after about a course called Set Free that will help us just clean the temple with him. And so I just encourage you, as Harry is speaking over the next couple of weeks, that you just come with that kind of posture that Jesus is cleaning the temple. And he does it more than once. He does it at the start of our life and he does it again and again and again because he wants us uncluttered. And there are many other ways that we can get that freedom. Jesus wanted those money changes out and he wanted to deal with the problem and he did it with zeal because he loved his people so much. And he wanted that to be a sign of the kingdom that we now stand in, that we now get to do that. As parents, have any of you asked your toddler to clean a room? Anyone? Yeah. Was it very successful? <laughs> Maybe the toys got put away, right? Asking a toddler to clean the room is very different than asking a teenager to clean the room. Have you ever asked a teenager to clean the room? <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see. <laughs> now we've got, now we're talking. You go to check it and you're going, what did, what, what did you do? You just picked the doona up and put it on your bed? That's clean? What's going on here? A teenager being asked to clean a room can often dodge around that task. Have you had that happen? Squirm around it and say, I did. I cleaned it. It's different. Look. Is it clean though? Often we can be like teenagers and skirt the issue when Jesus pinpoints something. I cleaned it. Done. I said sorry. Did you walk out with a positive action that shows that you meant it and he can trust you? And here's the reason why I'm laboring today on that point because I think that he wants to continue to invite us as his people, as his friends, but also as ones that says you are holy, to clean up the temple because he's got a purpose for all of us and that place is a place where we can then, with clean hearts, look at what's broken in our society and we can say, oh my gosh, that's not just that problem, which is the surface problem because we've learned how to deal with the root of issues, we can then, with his discernment and help, bring that instruction and change that he wants to bring because the roots are going to be seen because we know what that feels like to get that out. It's free, it's clear, it's gone. And he wants to know, can you carry the weight of that kind of discernment into our society together? Can we do that? Can we actually sustain and hold that place and that weight of walking with him into dark places, clean hearts, so that we're also then able to hand over a bigger frame of identity to people in him. And we get to discern it because we know what that feels like. Not just surface level, we're actually walking out with him transformed. And we're not limiting ourselves, holding our identity that's not how he sees us, we're walking with his identity. So today, we're just going to take a few moments to do that with him. We're just going to pray. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray for all of us. And then we're just going to finish today with 
offering if, we, if you'd like to talk to someone about some issues that you know he's pinpointing or if you would like to just talk to him and get some prayer and say, I'm not going to share it today, but this is what I need some prayer for and then we're going to walk it out together. Sound okay? So this is your moment to talk to him, to change the narrative with him. It's not about what I've brought. It's just about how are you going and Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and then lead me along the path everlasting. So that's just a way of us saying right now, Jesus, we say that the door is open. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and search my heart? Is there anything in me that you want to pinpoint that isn't right, that needs your cleansing? Would you just come and do that right now, Jesus? And God's hearing your prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. And if this is the first time you've ever talked to Jesus in this way, invite him in with a big door open in your heart. And so I just want to pray for you now. Father, for all of us in this room, we invite you now by your Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to bring to mind anything that shouldn't be there, any clutter, any dirt that's been hidden away, any pursuit, anything that's a secret just between you and, and me. Lord, we just open our hearts now and say we want to be cleansed again, again and again and again, because we want your order in our life we want your way and so lord we're sorry and ask you that you cleanse us from anything that separated us that's a sin we put it behind us we leave it in your hands and ask that you would lift us now to stand in that light and say old things will be passed away today old things are passed away and all things become new and we are here before you, knowing your forgiveness, saying thank you for cleansing us, saying thank you for making us into new people. Thank you for making us more like you. Thank you for hearing this prayer, coming close and cleansing us today. Your word says that if we confess and if we bring our sin to you, that you're faithful and you forgive us. And we want to accept that forgiveness, accept that new life, and continue to receive from you this week as we walk it out.